Thanks for joining us. Jim with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. The most trusted name in automobiles. Nuggets fall to the Kings last night. Nuggets split that quick two-game set with the Kings. Denver's tied for first in the Western Conference with New Orleans. Denver has bad defensive night last night. How concerned are you about the Nuggets' defense? Could that be, the once again, the Achilles heel that maybe keeps them from getting to the NBA Finals? Also, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, has written a piece about Russell Wilson and whoever comes in to be the next head coach, that they need to lay down the law with Russell Wilson. That Russ should not have an office at the complex anymore. The parking spots that the franchise has given him, that when you have a career-worst season, those are not the kind of perks you should be getting. And then a message needs to be sent that Russell Wilson is no different than any other player on the Denver Broncos. You know, initially with the office thing, I'm like, okay, if he gets an office, you know, I, I think my my tone was, I wasn't, oh, this is like, I, this is a terrible thing. It was kind of like, eh, it just doesn't seem like he should probably have an office. But if he's going to put the work in, if he needs a place to work, okay. Not everybody else has an office, but I get it. He's a quarterback. Got to put a lot of time in in terms of learning a new offense. Okay. Maybe, sure. But when you go out and play as badly as he has this season, why does he need an office? Does he have an office at home? Aren't there places in the building where he yeah. can take his Surface tablet and go to work? I mean, that doesn't like the rec- quarterback's room. There is a designated spot for the quarterbacks to go and do their work where they watch film. Mm-hmm. And that the tone needs to be set that Wilson will be no different than anybody else in 2023. Got some thoughts on that today. Please drive safely today. Grand City Grand Junction on accident alert, which means if you get a little fender bender, exchange your information. Uh, not necessary to get the police out there right away. If it's a little, little like I said, fender bender, major accident, obviously a much different story at what, four inches here in the valley? So Something along those lines, hit, yeah. Get pretty hit hard with the, nice and with the overnight snow. It is, yeah, it is very, very thick. So uh, keep that in mind. If you're driving, give yourself extra time to get where you're going today. We hope to have Mark Johnson on last hour. We've yet to hear from Mark. He's out at, uh, in Palo Alto mm-hmm. where uh, the CU Buffs look to extend their four-game winning streak when they take on Stanford coming up tonight. Uh, University of Colorado State last night. Talked to Brian Roth yesterday. They were at uh, the pit last night in Albuquerque. Look, uh, little Patino Jr. has the Lobos playing pretty well. They are now 14-0. Last night, uh, New Mexico, number 22 team in the nation, beating Colorado State 88-69 last night. Uh, John Tanji, Patrick Cartier had 16 points for the uh, Rams last night. Rams are now 8-7. and seven on the season. All right, let's uh, get to some Broncos news to start out the 8 o'clock hour. Just a quick reminder, we're on till 9 this morning. It's our holiday hours this week uh, for the program. Same with tomorrow as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Pope will be in to do his football picks 8-20 tomorrow, by the way, with us. Jackson Wilson, River City Sportplex will also be in, uh, in the 8 o'clock hour tomorrow as well. Mike Rice coming up a little bit uh, with our Broncos report. But... Um, 
Jerry Rosberg introduced as the new interim head coach, 67-year-old veteran coach, uh, longtime assistant for John Harbaugh with the Baltimore Ravens, and was brought in earlier this season when Nathaniel Hackett had in-game management issues, and Rosberg uh, was the one delegated to handle some of those responsibilities. One of the responsibilities that Rosberg took this week after being named the interim head coach when uh, Jiro Vero decided not to become the interim head coach, Rosberg saying yesterday he's the one that fired Dwayne Stukes and Butch Berry. It was not the Broncos' front office. It wasn't Greg Penner. It was not George Payton. It was Rosberg himself that made the decision to can Dwayne Stukes, who came over from the Rams, special teams coach, mm-hmm. and offensive line coach Butch Berry, who came from the San Francisco 49ers, that um, essentially Rosberg said that Broncos special teams weren't weren't good enough and that he wanted to make a more impactful move with the offensive line with our friend, of course, Ben Steele taking over as the offensive line coach. He was the assistant to Butch Berry, so Ben has that duties for the next two games and and hopefully finds a way to stay on the staff. Nice little audition here, maybe. Exactly. And so some of the comments from Jerry Rosberg We had to make changes. The change in the staff that we have made have been my decisions. I know special teams because he's done that for a long time. Mm -hmm. I've been coaching special teams for a long time. We weren't good enough. We were 32nd in the league in one of the metrics that I follow. If I'm not mistaken, there are 32 teams in this league. So that had to change. The only way it was going to change was for me to insert myself right in the middle of that thing. We just did that this morning, and I understand that players build relationships with coaches because I have lasting, meaningful relationships with men that I've worked with over these many years. So I respect the fact that players would have relationships with coaches that I've released, but we are making these changes for the good of this team so we can win two football games. Also, Butch Berry. This is what Rosberg said about him. With regard to Butch, I have great respect for Butch. Affection. He's a good man. A really fine coach. I made that move because I wanted to move in a different direction with the offensive line. I wanted to make an impactful move on the offensive line. We need to get that better there to help all aspects of it. I made that decision. I take full responsibility for it. And I've talked to Butch and I've talked to the players. It's something that we're going to move forward from this point. That's the nature of the National Football League. We're trying to win. Your take on that. Rosberg just going, this isn't good enough. That it it took a guy that they brought. It wasn't even on the staff to start the season. Okay? They brought him in early in the season after the in-game management debacle. Like not preseason. No. The season. The season. Couple games into the season. And that Jerry Rosberg looked at this. Guy's been in the league for a long time. And now that he had the opportunity to make a decision where he was granted the the autonomy by this organization to go, hey, look, if you think we got guys that shouldn't be here coaching, make the move. Do it now. And so... I mean, at right, least somebody is doing that. And so... But how sad is that that it took Jerry Rosberg, like I said, a guy that wasn't even on this staff to start the season, for him to go, this is not good enough. These changes need to happen. We're, I mean, with Nathaniel Hackett, that's that was part of the problem with this thing, was that he was incapable of making, you know, halftime adjustments mm-hmm. or adjustments to his staff when obviously things were not going well. Right, and for me, 
it sounds like it's reinforcing a point, but it really is, and it is on topic. If you just bear with me, okay. This re this drives home even more that this was a Aaron Rodgers hire, Nathaniel Hackett. Guy didn't run the offense in Green Bay. Was not a particularly great on the whole offensive coordinator when he was calling plays. Bring him in, fit him with Russ. Not ready to be a head coach. That shows when they're doing the Royal Rumble countdown for the play clock in your first home game against Houston. You have to bring in a veteran guy to essentially be the head coach's head coach. And you you can't make adjustments. You don't make changes. You don't have hard conversations with guys about they shouldn't have their own offices, their own parking spots. You know, maybe... Don't return the ball if you receive it six yards deep in the end zone and get it out to the 11. Maybe take a knee and get us 14 yards, or you're not going to be back there returning kicks anymore. You know, you keep fumbling, but I'm going to keep putting you in because Melvin's our guy, and you know how I've had Melvin Gordon's back. This is all on Nathaniel Hackett and him just not being head coach material. And Jerry Rossberg comes in. He may never have been a, a head coach for any length of time, Interim head coach, first day on the job, he's like, you and you, you're not getting the job done. I couldn't say it until now, but now I'm in charge. Hit the bricks. Something needs to change. But it took that. It took a guy that was outside the organization to start the season, who finally had the mm-hmm. the autonomy to do that, and and made that move yesterday, or made that move this week. He was hired just before the start of October yeah. on this team. And he's the interim head coach because the ownership and George Payton at that point are like, hey, we need somebody that knows what they're doing in their role. You know, you've had a, you have a couple guys that have held the role that they had for the Broncos before, and Ben's been one of them. He's been an assistant line coach in the league, right? He's been around. Vikings last season. Vikings last season. But Justin Outen, never been an offensive coordinator, and he's still not. You have... Nathaniel Hackett never been a head coach. Jero Averro, the only one that seems to be succeeding in his new role of the top or t- up tier, upper tier. Right. right. You brought in, you let Nathaniel Hackett bring in all these green as you know what guys, and it didn't work. Oh, and I think you and I talked about that. Nobody made any changes. There was part of us that I think when we had our discussion about this was that okay, it's good to bring in some an infusion of youth. It's good to have that to a point. But I think we both had some concerns about, well, where's the veteran coaching mm-hmm. part of this whole thing? Jerry I mean, Rossberg, and he was well, brought in week three. You know, Barry had been a line coach in the league, but you also replaced Mike Munchak, who is extremely well-respected as an offensive line coach in this league. Got one of these dudes on an all-pro list. Yeah. Butch Barry's not. Yeah, and now Butch Barry doesn't have a job. Yeah. And, and, and good Ben's for, not going to have the chance because that dude's hurt. Yeah, Garrett Bulls, but and and I hope Ben can make the most of this opportunity. I really yeah. do because I I, I just know hope that he, Ben will step up and be like Dalton, push somebody your own size. That's me. Come so, on, Bones, get in there, scrap it up. A come little on. Bit. Last time I saw Ben, still big enough to do that. Yeah. Oh yeah. So speaking of Dalton Reisner, we'll start with him, and we'll have the the Russ two minutes of whatever Russ was saying yesterday. <laughs> it should be a segment. What what was Russ saying? Yeah. It should be a new segment on the program. 
But uh, on Christmas Day, there was the uh, the little scuffle with, with Dalton Reisner and backup quarterback Brett Rippon because Rippon felt like the offensive line was mm-hmm. not going over and helping Wilson back up after he was getting crushed by the, the Rams defensive front, even without Aaron Donald. So here's Dalton Reisner on the dust-up with Brett Rippon. Brett's my boy. Um, you know, one thing that hasn't been, you know, covered at all is me and Brett, you know, making up a minute later and hugging. Um, and that's that's just how the media goes, which is fine. But on Sunday, you know, there's a lot of frustration, losing 51-14, to 14, and we're both very competitive guys. We want to win. Uh, we want to win out there. We're frustrated with what's going on. Emotions are running high, and... I, I take I should I should not have pushed my boy. I shouldn't have done that. I gotta put that on myself. I can't let frustration and emotion get to me. But at the end of the day, that's one of my best friends, man. Me and him are making jokes about pushing each other harder and uh, we just both care. We both care a lot about winning and we uh, we're both frustrated and uh, we made up right after, but that just hasn't been the story that's been put out there and that's fine. Uh, we've been we've been boys since, uh, got over it right away, been moving forward, ready to beat the Chiefs. Okay, I'm a couple of things. Number one, so their media is not supposed to report that. Right? I mean, I got I got that vibe that well, it was much to do about nothing. Well, so for and, me, I got the vibe that that was a concerted effort to not talk about the makeup, only to talk about the fight. That's the way he makes it sound to me. Oh, nobody talks about it. that's not the story you're putting out there. Is that we made up right after? No, because that's you're supposed to get along. You're teammates. Like, I, yeah, like I went said, home and I paid my bills. Good for you. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what Chris Rock says, right? Yeah. Well, I, I got the I got the vibe of shouldn't report that because that just that we were frustrated and that just happens in a game. And then okay, you did report on bit. it. You did report on it, but you didn't talk about how we we hugged it out. Yeah. I well, you know, I shouldn't have pushed it, but you should. You nobody talked about how we we hugged it out as boys. No okay, one number one, did we spend point? the whole week about, oh, there's a rift now between Dalton Reisner and Brett Rippon? No, because I figured they probably they, they probably mended mm-hmm. fences and things were fine. Guys get upset during a game. The point that's getting lost here by him is you got upset. He got upset. Yeah. Why did you both get upset? Because you were getting your butts handed to, to you. You're losing. You lost 51 to 14, mm-hmm. and the frustration of this season boiled over on Christmas Day between the two of you. Let's go back to Jerry Judy, where he Latavius Murray tried to come up and calm him down, and he you know, didn't realize think that was Murray, but kind of shoved him off of him. What are I you mean, doing out there pushing Brett Rippon anyway? Why can't you push yeah. around like that Murkison kid who had two sacks or Hecht who had one and a half? Yeah. Why aren't you pushing them around? Those are the guys you'd be pushing why you're around. Fighting. But it's like he loses the point that you were you were getting ticked off. He was ticked off because you were getting embarrassed. And now it's boiled to the point where you're going after each other and you've got right. backup quarterback not happy that starting quarterback gets knocked to the ground again and you guys don't go over and do anything to help pick him up. Whether you, whether you like Russ or not. Concussion-prone quarterback. He's still your quarterback and... And you're playing like garbage, and not that Russ was wasn't playing like garbage, but that doesn't mean you don't go over and try to help him up. And no, and the story this week has not been. Uh, did they ever make? No, it's wow. You individually kind of suck this year, and your team as a whole sucks out loud this year. I mean, I didn't. I didn't read this big week long narrative of 
Are there problems between Dalton Reisner and Brett Rippon? No, he no. had a lot of cover because his coach got fired. Yeah. And it was part of the story from Sunday. Tuesday morning, there was a little bit of, oh, man of the year, huh? That was from me. Yeah. Like, oh. Sure. Then you had Randy Gregory, <laughs> who, fortunately, hands. For, fortunately for Randy Gregory, not he'll be playing Sunday against Kansas City. Initially, it was a suspension. Now, uh, Derek Brooks and company, James Thrash, converted that into a $50,000 fine after Randy Gregory took a swing, punch at one of the Rams linemen. Here's Randy Gregory on uh, throwing hands on Christmas Day. Definitely regret it. Uh, you know, I've, I've had a lot go on in my journey in this career and uh, definitely not one of my bright spots. So it was more of a back and forth, normal back and forth that you have throughout the game. And, um, you know, I just I took the frustration a little bit too far. I let my emotions kind of lead me. Didn't really think of the ramifications that came with my actions, so um, I got to do better about that. Yeah, I'll yeah, give him do. credit. Like he didn't at all do the well, you guys and this and that. Like Dalton Reisner, right? He just straight up said, "Yeah, that was dumb. I, I screwed up. That I screwed up. I regret it." But man, understatement of the year <laughs> about his career. Yeah, <laughs> dude. And look like so he's going to miss another game yeah. in his career. But fortunately for him, that's not going to be the, the case. He will be playing Sunday. Fifty and then, grand. And then finally, expensive. Ooh, look, that was an expensive punch or two. Yeah. Russell Wilson. Oh my gosh. So you you put this audio together. Yeah. Here's Russ, as you labeled it, talks for two minutes and says nothing. Let's see what we can glean from this, shall we? Here's Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know, I can play exceptionally well. You know, I know what I have in me, and I know what I can do. Um, uh, and also, too, um, like I said, at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, each moment you get out there, you want to play your best. I haven't been able to do that this year so far. Um, we have two games to go. You know, I want to be able to um, just go compete at the highest level and, um, and try to get us, you know, two wins and just go get a, a win against Kansas City Chiefs. I know how much this game means to us and um, and, uh, and just because of the, the rivalry and the history of it all. Um, and uh, it's another opportunity to play the game we love uh, with the teammates we love and everything else. So, um, <clears throat> But in terms of, uh, you know, my confidence level, uh, my resilience in myself, knowing who I am and how much work I put into it every day and the mentality, the work ethic, um, everything else. But, you know, um, you know, I've, I've, you, you have dark days sometimes, you know, and it's been, uh, it's been oh, up yes and down. You do. It's been a, a, a tough year uh, in a lot of ways, just physically, obviously just um, trying to make, you know, score more touchdowns. He's scoring a lot of touchdowns and win a lot of games. That hasn't happened. It's the first no, time no it's kidding. Like this, but I think that um, what I do know, I do believe in, the, in, our, in our guys that we have around us. Um, I do know that um, guys like Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy's playing his best football. Um, you know, I, I, to be around a guy like Latavius Murray, to be around guys like Justin Simmons and the Warriors and the competitors those guys are, uh, K-Jack, um, obviously PS2. Always got to make a K-Jack World-class talent. K-Jack. Um, and then when you think about guys who aren't, the you know, playing with us, um, you know, right now, but the guys that, you know, Javante Williams and Tim Patrick and Bowles and, um, these guys are going to come back, and we're going we're gonna to do everything we can um, to to be our best, you know, every day. And uh, that's what we, that's what we try to give every day. Um, but you know, and I, I'm, I'm, my expectations are, the, are higher than anybody else's. 
you know, I, I believe in myself at the highest level. And uh, the mission is still, um, maybe, maybe it's not going to happen this year, but the mission is still the same. And that's to help, you know, bring Super Bowls to, to Denver. And uh, that's the goal. Part of that, I think I'd, the rather, hear the snow, I'd rather hear the snowblower behind him yeah. or whatever. That it went, went <laughs> from the Ed Field all the way down, came all the way back in that one answer. That was not copied and pasted. That was the full thing. Yeah. And okay, play at the highest level. I, I would take just a lot of resilience. I'd just take myself. an average level from you right now, Russ. I yeah. mean, I just take mediocre right now. Right. Get I, your level of play up to Jacoby Brissett's level. <laughs> I just take that at this point in time. I gosh, I I still want to like him. I do, but there are times I listen to the stuff, and it's just it's like he wants to be. A motivational speaker when it's all over with, right? That's yeah. that's that's gonna be the whether it's gonna be you know doing mm-hmm. game studio guy whatever or being a motivational speaker. It seems like that's yeah. where Russ wants to go, and I just after a while it's like okay, I get it. You you hold you know you hold yourself to these high standards, but the but the but the work this year, the performance has been bottom of the basement. It's mm-hmm. been substandard. It's not been this great standard that you hold yourself to. You know what it and feels like? He feels like your dad trying to use your friend's nicknames talking to you. Yes. And it's just super lame. Oh, uh, hey, we got Buddy in sport over there. playing. Real- There's no way he didn't look at a roster before taking to the podium to figure and, out who some of these guys were. And, okay, it's it's fine that he acknowledges injured teammates, but, okay, but, but those guys are playing the next two weeks. Tim Patrick's been out a whole fiscal quarter. He's been out since August. It, they, yeah, he didn't even get into the postseason or the preseason. Well, very few of the starters yeah. actually play in the preseason. But none on the offense. None of the offense. I, I, I just it's just jibber jab after a while. It's just okay. He's I get it. You hold yourself to a high standard. You he's stuck uh, in a you snowy in roundabout. You. Yeah. Like every time you think he's finally going to pull off onto this road, he just keeps going around. You believe like, in oh yourself. My Lord, make I, it stop. Okay, great. You believe in yourself. Resilience in myself. That's uh, my new favorite phrase. Uh, I have a lot of resilience in myself. Oh, what? what the? What the hell you did can you be think? resilient? You can believe in yourself. I'm. I have a lot of resilience. Uh, I have a lot of resilience uh, in myself. I know. He said that. I'm just like, whoa. It's a little bit like the Edward. That That's a bit like the Edward Norton character, if you've seen Glass Onion yet, who's supposed I to be kind of like an no. Elon Musk kind of guy, where he uses words incorrectly, the you know, uh-huh. out, out of context. Like Little Carmine in Sopranos. A- exactly, where the, no, that's not what that means. Right. He does a lot of that. And there, there was a Russell really doesn't do that. That was one of those moments right there. All right, eight twenty three. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Talk more Broncos with eight fifty KOAs. Mike Rice, our Broncos report with Mike, brought to you by Gallagher's Flooring and Modern Classic Motors. Craptastic. That's just crap. The team presents the Jim Davis Show on Colorado Sports Leader, the team. Time to get in the huddle with the Broncos Radio Network's Mike Rice on the team. And with us right now, the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line from the Broncos Radio Network, 850 KOA, Mike Rice. Mike, good morning. Happy almost New Year's. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. Same to you guys. 
And uh, every time we talk, you're always getting hit with snow. Well, we finally got some snow over here, quite uh, quite a bit, four inches here in the valley. So that's that is a lot for us. Yeah, we got we got a lot of snow. Uh, by the way, I'm hearing some music on coming back towards me. That's why I'm a little bit distracted, oh. um, and I have no idea what it is. Okay, um, I'm not sure where that's coming from either because I don't have anything over here that. Uh, that why well, you'd be you, why you'd be hearing that music? Hmm. Okay. I am, I I will I will make do. How's that sound? Okay. There, it just went away. Okay. So what was the deal? We had stuff am, running in the background, still in offline, and so Mike was hearing that on the phone there. Okay. Uh, well, Buckeye, I'm sorry. I did not mean to roll to back the bus up over you. I apologize for that. Oh, okay. No, no, you're fine. No, that's okay. Please do. Do like three or four times. Just and keep backing up. Also, that's fine. Not my board. That's fine. Do it as much. Just do like a speed bump. Just back and forth. Just go back and forth over, and that's fine. We're good now, though, guys. Yes, we, we got a lot of snow, and it's it's actually beautiful. It's terrible to drive in, as we all know. But, man, it sure makes for a wonderful morning when you're inside looking out at it. And that's what we get to do right now, at least for a little bit before I have to to head home. But all right, Mike, let's uh, talk about Jerry Rosberg, who uh, was introduced as the in, the interim head coach. Jiro uh, Vero declined to take the job. And so Jerry Rosberg, longtime special teams coach in this league, uh, was on John Harbaugh's staff at Baltimore for a long time, brought in early in the season for in-game management assistance uh, when Nathaniel Hackett had problems with that. How surprised are you that Rosberg said that he was the one that fired Dwayne Stukes and Butch Berry and not George Payton or not the Broncos front office. I, I found that interesting that the Rosberg was the one that made those moves. I found that interesting, too. And obviously, you know, he's taking these two weeks pretty seriously, trying to figure out a way to get the Broncos a win or two to close out the season. But I, I think we can all say that those two coaches that were dismissed were going to be gone at the end of the season anyway. And, and that, look, that, that sounds so callous to say. I mean, these are men. These are guys with families and lives and all the rest. But just from the business of football, they weren't going to be back. And Jerry Rosberg felt like we're not wasting two games to learn some, you know, to, to see what we've already seen for 15 games, which is the Broncos special teams has been terrible and the offensive line has been worse than that. I find it interesting that it took somebody that was not on this staff to start the season, who finally had the ability to, to make those decisions, who made those decisions about when the Broncos and Jerry Rosberg relayed the, the metrics about Denver special teams are, are, are 32nd in certain metrics in the league. And yes, there's only 32 teams in the league that he brought up some of those things about the offensive line issues about the offensive line, that it wasn't Nathaniel Hackett that looked at these things and said, hey, we got to make some moves here. These are the areas of this football team that these these gentlemen are involved in are not performing up to the levels we expect. That it took somebody that wasn't even on the staff to finally make that decision about Dwayne Stukes and Butch Berry. Well, I mean, I I understand that point, but Nathaniel Hackett wasn't going to fire his own special teams coordinator in Week 14. I just don't think that's realistic or, or his offensive line coach. Uh, if Nathaniel Hackett had been granted another season. I think there would have been a chance that those two guys wouldn't have come back even on his staff. At least I'd like to think so. I, I really, I guess, have no way of knowing that. But, I mean, with 
Rosberg taking over even on an interim basis. It was a little bit surprising, as we talked about, but at the same time, you know, it, it is sort of a new day, right? A new era, as short-lived as it'll be. But it's also just the, generally speaking, in the bigger picture, a new era of change, which was going to happen anyway. Mike Rice, 850 KOA Broncos Radio Network. Dalton Reisner addressed the, the desktop with Brett Rippon. Uh, I, I, not, not that Dalton dwelled on this, Mike, but he kind of focused in on the, the media didn't talk about how those guys had made up not long after that little dust-up on Christmas Day. I, I just think that Dalton Reisner kind of lost the point that the media covered that because it showed the frustration that this team now has you know, with, with the way things have gone. I, I, just, I, f- I found it interesting that he, he took the time to almost kind of chastise the media for, for mentioning what happened and then not saying, oh, by the way, we, we made up, we hugged it out, and we made up. I, you know, to me, I think most of us probably assumed that they did, and so there wasn't the necessity to talk about them apologizing to each other or whatever, or, or or hugging it out. It was, it was. Look at how this team is, how frustrated this team is right now, and how the line's not going over and helping up Russell Wilson after he gets knocked down once again. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna part company a little bit with you on that explanation, which I totally respect, Jim. I do. At the same time. Um, by sort of the logic you just used, we all know this season is down the tubes and has been for several weeks now. And so why wouldn't we expect frustration and why sure. is that such a big deal to report on? And so, and, and I don't subscribe to that. I'm just saying that I think you can take that both ways. I agree with Dalton Reisner. There was much made of the dust-up, and I have no problem with that. I think that's fair because it happened and it was a terrible look in, on national TV, at the same time, they did they, they did come together relatively quickly and make things right. And there was virtually zero mention of that. And I think that was part of the story as well. In other words, Brett Rippon and Dalton Reisner don't have this long-standing, open-ended, never-ending feud going on right and that really wasn't reported and i think that was a misstep by the media i don't think there's any question about it that's just that's just the way i saw the situation mike rice 822 koa broncos radio network with us and uh the last time the broncos faced the chiefs uh denver fell behind 27 nothing defense particularly josie jewel had a great game he had a his first two interceptions of his career helped to fuel the denver comeback that came up short 34 to 28 as uh, Russell Wilson had one of his best games of the season before he left that game with a concussion. 247, three touchdowns and a pick. He also rushed for, for 57 yards in that game. Uh, I, I guess your expectations, Mike, is Denver tries to snap a 14-game losing streak to the Chiefs of what you hope to see from Russell Wilson and the Broncos offense on New Year's Day at Kansas City. Yeah, Jim, I, I just hope to see them stay in the game. And, and I think they will. I think the coaching change probably helped in that regard. There's Everybody, you know, even though Justin Simmons and others expressed their affection for Nathaniel Hackett and uh, their disappointment that they didn't play better, I I still think there's probably a collective sigh of relief that, all right, that that part is behind us. Let's just go play. Let's just go see if we can make a game of it. And I hope they do. I still want to see some good football out of Russell Wilson because, Jim, I want to believe that Russell Wilson still has good football in him. I'm cautiously optimistic that he does. But at some point, you have to start seeing better football, even with 
an offensive line that's beset by injuries, not playing well, all of the negatives that we've talked about now for weeks upon end. So I I still want to see Russell Wilson play better. I still want to see this Broncos team figure out a way to beat Kansas City. I mean, 14 straight losses over now almost seven full seasons is just an embarrassment. I mean, somehow get that monkey off your back if you can. And I know it would be a titanic upset, and I don't expect it to happen. But, man, at least go give it the old college try, right? And the Broncos' defense, they they need a big bounce-back game. After, you know, look, Russ didn't help with the, the, the couple of picks in the first quarter, but losing you know 51-14 to to the Rams, and the Rams with not Matthew Stafford at quarterback or, or, or Cooper Cup playing in that game, they, they lose to Baker Mayfield. At the defense, you know, they have to try to find a way to, to get back to the level we've seen this season, Mike. And, oh, yeah, they have to take on Patrick Mahomes in the top offense in the league and the Kansas City Chiefs at their place. So it's going to be a, a tough bounce-back game for the Broncos' defense. Yeah, no question. You, you you said it just right. I mean, here you need that kind of effort. No, by the way, you have to figure out how to be that team and put in that kind of performance against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Hardeman, and I, assuming he's going to play with all the speed that Kansas City has on offense. Uh, McKinnon's having a, a terrific year, and it's it's difficult. But again, you know, you, you try and hopefully Jerry Rosberg and the offensive coaches will try and des- devise a game plan. If they can run the ball, Jim, wouldn't that help? I mean, you, oh, yeah. you try and keep Mahomes on the sideline a little bit more. That would certainly shorten up the game as far as the number of opportunities the Chiefs have. So stranger things have happened. Again, I, realistically, I don't think any of us are going to predict the Broncos win. But if it happened, I, I sure wouldn't mind seeing it. One final thing, Mike. Uh, Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com, wrote a piece about Russell Wilson moving forward with whoever the next head coach is. Because I think Greg Penner made it fairly clear, and then George Payton as well, that they're looking for somebody that's going to be CEO-ish, somebody that's going to be the person that sets the tone culture-wise for the, the Broncos organization, somebody from a football standpoint that's really going to be the one overseeing that. And Pinner addressed that by saying that the, the new coach will will uh, report directly to him, which is not uncommon, not unusual in the NFL for the, the head coach to report directly to uh, the, the owner of the football team. But I, I you know, the, one of the things that Florio talks about is Russell Wilson, the office, the parking spaces, all those things that, that he was given this past season, that that stuff needs to, pro- needs to go away moving forward. The relationship cannot be what it was with Nathaniel Hackett, where it was very much, you know, uh, it's a partnership. It's not head coach and quarterback. It was equal footing for both Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett in terms of their their authority on the uh, for this football team, their relationship that that's going to need to change in 2023, that that Russell Wilson now needs to be in a position where he is one of 53, he is not somebody that has more perks and more more clout than anybody else has on this football team. And Jim, I'll take it a step further. If I'm Russell Wilson, I'm going to Greg Penner and George Payton and saying, here, I don't want any of this. I don't know how realistic that is because he obviously wanted it in the first place and you know, the Broncos were trying to get him to approve the trade, and so you're going to do what you feel you need to do to make that happen. But he hasn't earned that now. And and Dave Logan said this best, and I'll give Dave credit because I totally agree with him the other day. 
uh, on Monday after the move happened. You know, Russ has to earn the right now to have certain input and have, you know, whatever else he wants. And I think it would go a long ways towards showing that he's pretty self-aware of his standing and what he needs to do to just say, you know what, I don't, I don't need all this stuff. I'm not going to have all this stuff. You guys take it. Uh, I'm just going to focus on playing better. And I don't know if he'll do that, but I hope he does. He needs to. I, I he hope does I, need to, I'm, Jim. And let me say this. I'll be even stronger. Russell Wilson was trusted by this ownership group with a contract extension that they're now being criticized for, and rightly so, before he played a down in the regular season. He now has to show the same trust back after turning in not just a subpar year, but let's be honest, an awful season. The shoe is on the other foot, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's time for Russell now to say, all right, I've got something to prove. It's time to get to work and prove that to whoever the new head coach is, whoever the new offensive coordinator is, and to this ownership group and George Payton. And it starts Sunday with this game against Kansas City. Go it in does. there, play it well. It absolutely does. Yeah, we could speak volumes about his future if he goes there and plays well. Of course, we'll have it. Uh, Mike will have... Uh, of course, countdown to kickoff at 9 o'clock on uh, New Year's Day, 11 o'clock kickoff with uh, Dave Logan, Rick Lewis, and Susie Wurgen from uh, Arrowhead as the Broncos take on the Chiefs. So uh, what's on the menu this week for New Year's Day? I mean, you had Christmas Day last time, Mike. What? what By the want? way, I've got to give kudos to our, one of our news guys, Jody Jordan. He came through last week by thinking ahead, and, and I, I, I didn't even give him the idea. He just ordered the honey-baked ham spread for Christmas Day, which was incredible. And I don't mean to give a shameless plug, but they were the ones that provided it or that that we got it from. And I don't know. I mean, more places are open on New Year's Day, right? We're sort of banking on that. So I'll have to report back. It might be the old standard pizza or sub sandwiches, assuming they're delivering on New Year's, which I'll, again, have to get the crack research staff on. But you got to love it when when a teammate picks you up, right? That's great. I mean, it was it was amazing that he did that. So, yeah, kudos to Jody. Well, have a happy New Year, Mike, to you and your family. The best is always, my friend. And, uh, of course, once again, all the Broncos, the Chiefs, this Sunday, countdown to kickoff at 9, kickoff at 11 on the team. Appreciate it, Mike. Jim, thanks to you. Thanks to Buckeye. Happy New Year to you guys and all your great listeners. Appreciate it. Likewise. Take care. Mike Rice, safe through to KOA Broncos Radio Network. All right, up next, he will join us this morning. Mark Johnson, voice of the Colorado Buffaloes from uh, Palo Alto, where uh, the CU men's basketball team takes on Stanford tonight. We'll have that next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. We're going to be here a while. Would you like to talk? Talk to me! The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. It's time to talk buffs with CU voice Mark Johnson on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Uh, with us right now from Palo Alto, California, where he'll be uh, calling the buffs, taking on Stanford tonight. Mark Johnson joins us. Mark, hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, best to you and your family. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it was very nice, very quiet. You know, when you've got uh, a couple of grandbabies like I do, it all revol- revolves around them and making a lot of messes and ripping a lot of stuff open and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was great. But that's what makes Christmas fun, right? When the little ones are there doing their thing. As you know, we get older, it's like, okay, we we, we enjoy Christmas, but seeing the the the, the grandkids, the, the the little kids enjoy that. That's just so much fun. 
Yeah, no doubt about that. And uh, we had him over at the house for, I don't know, four or five days, I guess, before it was all said and done. So, uh, yeah, it's exactly right. You know, that uh, old cliche about the joy of Christmas in a child's eye and all that, uh, we, we certainly enjoyed it all. So, yeah, we had a wonderful Christmas. Very quiet, but uh, ate too much. I'm going to pay for that, but uh, outside of that, it was great. <laughs> uh, did you dress up as Santa Claus? No. No, I've never, I've never done that. Okay. Um, however, the way that speaking of eating too much, the way the physique's going, maybe I'll have to do that here in the near future. Cause I'm, I'm starting to grow into Santa Claus. That's a sad thing about all of us. You know, we grow beards, it gets white, and we uh, get heavier. We could be Santa Claus. That's where I'm going, just like every other guy my age. You're, you're a Santa Claus in training. Yeah, I did it one year with with my granddaughter when she was probably like two, and we have a okay. picture where she's looking at me. She's like. Yeah, I don't think this is Santa Claus. This looks like Grandpa. <laughs> this looks like Grandpa with a, with, a, with a terrible, cheap, you know, white beard on. So she gave me a very the, the picture is great. She gives me a very uh, questioning look. Like, yeah, I don't think this is the the real McCoy. No doubt about it. Well, that. I've got a, I've got a real beard, and so um, it's 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 slowly becoming the color that it needs to be for Santa Claus. <laughs> so yeah, that that's another one, another check mark on the wrong side of the uh, ledger for me as well. Well, I'm, I'm right there with you, Mark. Mark Johnson joining us today. We'll talk about the Buffs taking on Stanford tonight. But I uh, want to kind of try to put a, a bow on, uh, on, on recruiting, though the, the process continues for uh, Deion Sanders and the Buffs uh, coaching staff. But on Wednesday, another uh, highly touted uh, player committing to the Buffaloes. Um, it was uh, the three-star defensive lineman Eric uh, Brantley from Valdosta, Georgia High School. Offers from Arkansas, Central Florida, uh, Iowa State, and others that uh, this is for the 2024 class. Now, you really can't comment on that, but it yeah. shows the mark the the influence that Coach Prime has had already on the guys that have committed for 2023 and be part of this in, in, incoming class for the Buffaloes that that has now reached to 2024 already. Well, we're seeing a lot of that, yeah, in fact, and it's so awful impressive. And then you look at, at you know, what, what all of a sudden the commitments that he's gotten for 2024. And then the transfer class continues to run up. I think it's the highest-rated transfer class now for 2023, I think, in the Pac-12. And it's top, what, five or six or something in the country. Uh, and the overall class is now up into the 20s. And so, yeah, all those things we've talked about, Jim, with, with Deion Sanders in terms of kind of that draw, that star power, are, are kind of paying dividends here early. And, and young guys seem to be really reacting to that. So it's been awful impressive, and. And uh, yeah, right. I can't, I can't speak specifically to anybody from 2024, but we've all seen the reports out there. We know exactly who they are and, and what they've done and, and who they've been recruited by. And, and you know, that's one of the more impressive things <clears throat> over the course of, of you know being in this role for a long time now for the University of Colorado. I've always kind of watched. Okay, you're getting player A. Who are the schools that uh, you know were in the running for player A? Well, there have been times in Colorado where you know it was. Uh, some one double A's, and you know one of my favorites out there, Bob Spree, Dory You, you know, I like to throw that one out there. And you go, geez, man, it doesn't seem like anybody else is really attracted uh, to that guy. And just because other big boys are attracted to recruits, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to turn out to be players. But I think there's a better odds of that happening. And so right now, when you're seeing these guys for 2024 committing, and you say, okay, who else did he have offers from? And it was you know Georgia and Tennessee and and Alabama and USC and, and schools that you're like, well, okay, all the big boys wanted this guy. And so it's awful impressive. He's been able to go early on in his tenure now at the University of Colorado and go head-to-head with big boys like that, and in some cases actually flip them from commits to some of those bigger schools. That's awful impressive. Mark Johnson, voice the Buffaloes, joining us today from Palo Alto. The Buffs at Stanford. And 
Buffs, uh, you know, they're 0-2 in, in Pac-12 play, likewise for Stanford tonight. But Colorado is on a, a four-game winning streak right now, looking to make it five straight with a win against the Cardinal this evening. How crucial is this game tonight, Mark, in, in terms of the Buffaloes with the Pac-12 already with that uh, 0-2 conference start? Well, I think it's huge. You certainly don't want to be sitting there at 0-3. Now, you've got two very winnable ball games, Stanford and I'm just kind of getting a deep dive into them this morning here in the hotel room. They're sitting at five and seven, um, haven't played great basketball. Their numbers are very pedestrian, not shooting a high percentage. In fact, they're shooting a very low percentage from downtown. Their scoring numbers aren't great. It's a winnable ball game. And then next, you've got a team with only one win in Cal, who just got their first win here about a week ago or so. And so you've got a very winnable two-game road trip here. And the inconsistency we saw earlier in the non-conference play from Colorado, I'm not going to say it's fixed but they've addressed it, and I think they're playing better basketball right now. Some of that was the fact that they had four straight at home, and they won all four of those ball games. But uh, playing much better basketball right now, and I think this is imperative they come in here and get a couple, head back home with a very tough game next week with Oregon coming to town on Thursday and Oregon State then over the weekend. And so you'd love to be sitting <clears throat> excuse me, at 2-2 two and two, uh, heading back home next weekend. Buffs have won their last four straight against Stanford, so that's obviously a good sign. And I think part of the reason this, during this recent uh, surge for the Buffs, this four-game winning streak, Mark, has been the play of Tristan DeSilva. We've talked about him a lot, but he has come up big. I mean, K.J. Simpson's been outstanding, but DeSilva has really been uh, extremely good, extremely consistent for the Buffaloes during this stretch. Yeah, they've been playing very, very well. And that's what's something early on this season Ted and I talked about. We knew with Jabari Walker going to the NBA that, that, you know, Tristan, who has been a guy that deferred uh, many times, I think, to, you know, his, his the last season anyway, first season when he was a freshman, there were so many seniors on the team, of course he deferred, but last year he really deferred to Jabari. And <clears throat> I think that uh, Tad had talked with him about, you know, taking more of the load and being more forceful, if you will, on the court, more forthright out there, being the guy that's going to take shots and demand the ball, those kind of things. I still don't think that you know, that's his nature. And so early this season, he had some nice ball games, but I still think he deferred at times and, and certainly didn't demand the ball. And what we've seen the last couple of ball games, he's had a couple of uh, games where he was 20 and 10, you know, during the stretch, he had a 20, 25 and 9 or something, and then had his first career double double. And so he's really been asserting himself. And I think that's important for this team. He has to continue to do that. He doesn't have to be a 20 and 10 guy every night. It'd be very nice, very nice if he would, but. He's got to be a 15-7 and seven guy, I think, and he points and rebounds every single night. And then what he does elsewhere in his game, which can be so subtle at times, what he does defensively, uh, the assists he can rack up, because he's a good passing guy. He's a very good shooter. Uh, and so he can be a very high-level player. I'm talking about first-team old Pac-12 kind of guy like his brother was, uh, ironically, at Stanford. But uh, the way he's been playing so far in the last four, five, six games, I think is the way he has to play this season. He's been phenomenal. I think part of the reason for the success lately, too, has been taking care, taking better care of the basketball. I mean, the, the Buffs are one of the, the worst teams in, turn of, in terms of turnovers in the Pac-12 uh, through the, the early uh, part of this month. They have now turned that around, the third fewest turnovers in the Pac-12 right now. That's been a big improvement for Tad Boyle's team. Yeah, without question. And, you know, that's been a problem, kind of a bugaboo for the Buffalo. It's really the last what, year plus now. You're almost a third, I guess, this season. He's taking care of the basketball. And so, um, and I think part of that becomes part of the maturation of K.J. Simpson, you know, as the point guard. He's got to understand the value of that basketball. Early on in his career, McKinley Wright struggled a little bit with, with turnovers. Well, we kind of forget sometimes K.J.'s only a third of the way into his second season with the Buffaloes. And, and really last year, he wasn't the starting point guard. Keyshawn Bartholomew was, who's now with Oregon. 
And and so KJ really has taken over the lion's share of kind of the ball handling now. And so that's something that comes with a maturation process of a young point guard. And I think we're seeing that from KJ because, you know, we talk about Tristan, but it really it's it's kind of the Batman or Robin. It's kind of uh, Tristan and, and KJ. I think they're both high level guys, potential NBA guys, and certainly all conference kind of guys. And and as they mature and and take over more of the kind of responsibility with this team, I think you're going to see this team play better and better and better you know, game in and game out because they're both that talented. And, and I think that, that turnover number is kind of a byproduct of, of KJ starting to understand that and maturing into that leadership role on the court. Hey, Mark, I appreciate the time this morning. Thank you so much. Have a great call tonight and a very happy new year to you and your family. All right, Jim. Same to you. See you. Take care. Mark Johnson, Voice of the Buffaloes, joining us from Palo Alto today. All right, and we will have, uh, after the first of the year, Colorado Buffs basketball right here on the Team Sports Network. Some of the selected uh, games from Pac-12 play heading your way uh, coming up in 2023. All right, instead of garbage time, let's uh, do a little four-down territory. We're into four-down territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. As we get ready to wrap up our show, holiday edition, just until 9 o'clock, and tomorrow the same deal, 7 to 9 uh, here on the Team Sports Network. All right, first down, Derek Carr being benched for the final two games of the regular season by the Las Vegas Raiders, and some say it's a precursor to him either being cut or traded in 2023. They want to look at Jared Stidham, who, little hoodie, Josh McDaniels coached when the two were together in New England, that the Raiders are primarily doing this to preserve the health of Carr because they want him to pass any physical if he gets traded, so that's part of this. But, uh... Derek Carr, according to Jeremy Fowler at ESPN, that his accuracy has become an issue, and they want to look at Jared Stidham. They think that he can be a more accurate quarterback. We will see how that plays out. All right, second down. We talked about Carlos Correa. Looked like he was going to go to the Giants, fail the physical there, going to sign with the Mets. Mm-hmm. They had concerns about his health. Well, there's a reason, apparently, though, according to the Savannah Bananas, why nobody signed Uh-oh. him yet. Yeah. Because he's just waiting to get a deal from them. Probably. They might be. Sorry, from the wacky minor league team, the Savannah Bananas. They might be the only team to clear him. (laughs) They might be. They might be the only one. But I don't think he's going to get that kind of a contract from the Savannah Bananas. I just don't think that's probably going to happen. Yeah, probably not. But so 13 years, $350 million. No, probably not. 0-2 on a pair of $300 million contracts. Uh, Last night caught some of the uh, Liberty Bowl, I believe it was. Yes. Kansas and Arkansas. I well, had that on my uh, uh, pole dancing as one of the more intriguing games. And Kansas was just getting curb stomped in that game. They were getting wrecked when I went into my shower and I came out and it was tied. And they went to overtime. Arkansas ultimately gets the win. 55-53. In, in like $11 billion overtime. Three overtimes. He took three, yeah. Well, that was nuts there at the end. And last night, we talked about CSU playing New Mexico in basketball. New Mexico's football attendance on average was 14,966. 15 to 15 at the pit last night for basketball. When you're undefeated and number 22 in the nation, you're that going to get helps. those kind of numbers. All right, that's our show for today. Thanks again for joining us. Back with you tomorrow morning, 7 to 9, the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network, online at the team1340.com. Be careful out there.